The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Welcome back to the Race for the Case podcast, the Yahoo College Sports podcast, our weekly uh, installment where Pete Thamel and I give you our peerless, depthless knowledge on the games to come this weekend, enrich your lives, fatten your wallets, and maybe give you a laugh or two along the way. I am Pat Forty. I am joined by Pete Thamel. We are bi-coastal this week. I am on the West Coast. Pete is in his Boston manse. And uh, we're ready to get after it. Peter, how are you? Pat, I need to know, you went to the Stanford Globetrotters. I mean, Stanford Cardinals <laughs> swim meet. How did the Cardinals slash Globetrotters do against the poor, hapless Utah Utes in their swim meet? Uh, you know, the Utah Utes came to swim. I, I okay. can't disrespect them. Uh, but right. it was uh, Stanford won every event, which is okay. what, you would, what you would expect. It was, it was not quite a Wetzel thing. 32 to nothing youth soccer <laughs> beatdown, but it was 14 to nothing uh, in terms of actual events. And uh, the the Cardinal are uh, pretty loaded again this year. Incredible freshman class coming in. So we will keep everyone up to date. We know we have some friends from the uh, Women's Swim community that listen to the podcast. I have to apologize to one of them for canceling breakfast on her this morning. But uh, we are, that's, we are had to, I had to cancel so we can get this podcast done and produce this this great bit of audio. Um, as usual, we've got our slate of games here, but we should probably catch up the listenership on where things stand in our personal competition. La, 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 la. <laughs> if you thought it was bad before, how about now that we doubled the bet, basically? Pete pressed going into October because he was down four beers. And so every game in October is going to be worth two. And then this last week, Pete went one for six, and I went five for six. I went to journalism school. I wasn't a math major, but that's <laughs> four times two is eight, plus the four I was already up. That's a cool 12-pack, Peter. All right. You are, uh, you are halfway home and setting the table for the most remarkable comeback uh, here on <laughs> Yankee Elimination Day in Boston, which we celebrate when the Yankees are eliminated from the playoffs every year. Um, it's just setting. It's going to be like 2004, you know? Don't let me win one, as Kevin Millar said. Don't let me win one week because I'm going to start, I'm gonna start okay. the, the epic comeback, although I may start costanzing my picks and actually pick the opposite of what I think. In that way, I may actually, considering the rate I'm going at, I may actually give myself a chance. So you might. I'm yeah. pondering the full Costanza this week. You you might want to. It's uh, I think it's worth considering at least because right now it's getting a little out of hand. I have to say. 
Uh, this week in college football, we've got two playoff elimination games. Washington and Oregon, Wisconsin and Michigan. They both have one loss. If one of them is going to take a second loss, they're going to be out. Both of them are, you know, obviously facing all four teams are facing some some considerable odds to get there to begin with, but they would have to be readjusting goals uh, after the loser after this week. Winner can at least uh, maintain some hope. We've got a couple of semi-playoff elimination games. Colorado, USC, the Buffaloes are undefeated. Uh, the Trojans are, by all, by all logical uh, thoughts, out of the playoff pick. They've already lost uh, twice. The Buffaloes are undefeated. Pac-12 is going to have a hard time getting someone there if they have any losses. So CU takes a loss. They're in trouble. And then Georgia at LSU, definitely an elimination game for LSU unless they can somehow run the table after that. Georgia, here's what it would mean for them is if you lose this game, you got to run the table the rest of the way, and that would mean most likely beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. So that's uh, there's quite a bit on the line in terms of long-term season goals here. Uh, we're going to talk about all of those games plus a couple of others. Uh Pete, I know you guys uh, hit on the uh, the trial heavily in the podcast uh, earlier this week. I did want to ask you one football-related thing before we get into the actual games here. If you had a Heisman vote, you wanted to make a Heisman play right now, uh, who would you who would you go with? I'm going to follow up your question with a question because I think your question is obvious. Dan and I really wanted to know how often you've been to the Shell Station where Kenny Johnson uh, was testified in court, paid Brian Bowen Sr. 1300 in cash. Are you familiar with that Shell Station, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I saw the column and I and it, and I read that and I was thinking, where is that? I don't. It didn't register with me. Um, but you know, in general, I I kind of like a good Shell Station. The, you know, the gas is going to be the same price everywhere. But uh, I'm looking for a good pl- a place where you can get a good 32-ounce Big Gulp along the way. We are slightly disappointed you are not a frequenter of the Shady Stealth Station. Wait, that means you do not know all the dark corners of your own town. No, boy, I know most of them. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I've, I've, I've been to every Shell Station, I'm sure. If it's the one down by the University of Louisville, uh, then, then I have absolutely gotten gas in a big gulp there but dan went on a pretty wetzel-ish epic rant about like who meets at a gas station he's got a plush office yeah right <laughs> so i thought there might have been something special about the shell station maybe they gave away free kind bars uh, you know i don't know you would be the only one looking for kind bars at this shell station if it's the one i'm thinking of in downtown louisville it's not really your you know let's stop in for a healthy snack kind of place <laughs> People are stopping in, they're getting their gas, they're getting their big gulp, they're getting their bag of ruffles, or you're coming in with a weapon and you're robbing the place. So, <laughs> those are your choices. It's a lovely location. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to interject with some superfluous comment, but we were we were dying for your expertise yesterday, but you were rooting on the Stanford Globetrotters, so we. I just wanted to give the listeners who listen to the emergency pod this week, I just wanted to give them that little bit of local intel that that only you could have brought. So yeah, that said, yeah. my Heisman ballot would say Tua, Tua, and Tua. Tua, Tua, and Tua, wow. I okay. mean, I, what, else can you, what else can you say? Like... I'll be honest, we talked a little bit about this in the last pod. I haven't really watched Alabama this year to any like yeah. to any degree because they haven't commanded it because they've been up by so much. Like, right. 
I mean, it's just like, I was like, oh, the noon games last week. I was like, oh, I'll watch a little Alabama-Arkansas. And it was like 21 nothing in a blink or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, and so then you're flipping the channel, right? Yeah, right. like you just got to, I don't know, like that. Uh, that's how good they are is that you really have to like make it a point to actually watch them. But obviously, as you said in the 40-yard dash this week, Pat, Tua's numbers are like unprecedented for that. I yeah. was interested that Kyler Murray's numbers were actually that much better than Baker Mayfield's. You know, yeah. he's had a great year. And honestly, that that pick really turned that uh, the Red River, the, the early pick where the safety jumped, uh, jumped that route and he didn't see him. Um, and that was really what I think Texas scored 17 unanswered at that uh, at that point. But I would think Dwayne Haskins would be somewhere on my ballot if I couldn't put two or three times. <laughs> and I would think Kyler Kyler Murray would would for sure be on it. And uh, I would certainly give a long look to uh, your uh, the the long dreads of your your bolder uh, kindred spirit. Uh, is it Chenault? Is yes, LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault. That's yes. it. Um, Don't forget yes. about him. No, yeah. I, w- I, I would not. He is certainly in the mix, and I do think this is a huge weekend for Chenault. If you can go, uh, right. if you can do it against the Trojans, because really Colorado hasn't played anybody, so he's been right. a man of book. He's been like Stanford versus Utah swimming pretty much <laughs> this, this entire year. So yeah. let's let's go go do it against some five stars in the uh, in the Coliseum, and then we'll talk. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I'll, I would say all four of those guys, you'd throw Will Greer and Mackenzie Milton into the consideration mix, but yeah. I think I would start with the first three quarterbacks that you mentioned. Yeah. If Milton finishes strong, I have no problem voting for him. He was my preseason pick, and uh, UCF is just, what are they, 16-game winning streak now? I Maybe think it's 18, s- isn't it? Is it 18? Yeah. I think it's 18. We should probably know that because we cover we national college football, and they have the longest winning streak in the country. But they're, they're, yeah. they're sort of like the, the B version of Alabama, and their dominance in the tenor yeah. that they've won games has, has decreased their relevancy because you're, you're not watching them as much just because they're running everyone off the field. So. Yeah. Well, they they have a they have an interesting game this week, and we will discuss that yes. here as we go along. But yes. uh, okay, well, we'll get to the picks here and give you a chance to climb out of the absolutely mammoth hole that you are in right. uh, in the race for the case. And we're going to start with the Pac-12 game, a very interesting one in Eugene. Uh, Washington Huskies lost the opener, disappointing kind of to me. I think blew the game a bit against Auburn. Uh, Otherwise, they've won everything since then. Their strength of schedule has been hurt by the fact that Auburn has since lost. Uh, their win against BYU has been be- devalued by some BYU losses. So Washington really, their their resume is okay, but not bulletproof. They are going into Outson Stadium, where the B, uh, the Ducks, I'm sorry, uh, looked like a, a bit rejuvenated this season, playing better as long as they keep Justin Herbert healthy. They're going to be a, uh, a tough team to beat. And Washington is giving three points in Outson on a, I think it's a 3.30 Eastern kick. So 12.30 start in Eugene. What do you think, Pete? Well, I, I do agree that this Washington team, Pat, isn't the same caliber of maybe the past handful of Washington teams that Chris Peterson has had, right? Like, I, I do agree their their resume does come up a little flimsy, now, with a little bit of history looking at uh, looking at Auburn, you know, I don't really, you know, they probably should have won that game. Auburn, Auburn just seems like it's pretty flat, mediocre, you know, um, when it uh, when, when it all comes down to it. So, I, this is a, this is a really interesting game. Uh, I'm still scarred a little bit by Mario Cristobal's clock management at the end <laughs> against Stanford. Um, I did pick Stanford, by the way. Imagine how bad my record would be if that miracle didn't happen. <laughs> So, um, you know, 
I was really impressed with Dylan Mitchell catching balls from Justin Herbert in that Oregon Stanford game. He's certainly been a, a revelation, uh, a revelation this season. And I, you know, he has 442 uh, receiving yards at, at, at this juncture and has just really been like their only reliable receiver, quite frankly. Uh, I'm working on something on Herbert. And I mean, I've said this on the pod all year. Like, I think he'll be the number one pick in the draft. Scouts tell me he'll be the number one pick in the draft. This is a huge game for him, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he was 25 and 27 against Stanford. Stanford doesn't quite appear to be what we might have thought they were now, too. So, as you know, going to Notre Dame and losing as badly as they did, should have lost to uh, should have lost to Oregon. Obviously, got uh, got punched in the face against Utah the other night down there on the road, and, and you got thumped pretty well. So that's probably Washington's best win, Pat. Didn't they win at Utah? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a good win there. That that does kind of stand out right now as the best on their resume. Yes. So that's a long rambling way to say I'm almost constanzing myself in this. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to take Washington, despite the fact that signs probably point to Oregon, you know, at home being a little better. But I'm going to take the Huskies because. Oregon hasn't done it yet in this era um, yeah. in, the, in the big stage. Oregon did struggle against BG. They did struggle against some of those earlier teams that they should have run. So uh, until until knocked off, I'm going to stay with the King Huskies. Okay, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, you know, I think that, I, again, yeah, I've, I've got to see Oregon do it, I think, probably to believe it. And while... Yeah, the resume doesn't stack up great for Washington. I still think they're the best team out west. I think they're a quality team. They've just, you know, they've got to they've got to keep piling up wins. Is the way I look at it. Uh, they, you know, they they the smart thing they have done. They've gotten Miles Gaskin more involved in the offense. He wasn't for some mystifying reason. He wasn't go to uh, against Auburn, and I think that came back to bite him. Uh, you know, he had 17 touches against them. He had 17 against North Dakota when you didn't really need him. And then they got him up 33 against Utah, 24 against Arizona state, only 15 against BYU, but they didn't need him there either. That game was a, a wipeout. And then 33 against UCLA. I think he's got to be in the 25 to 30 range of, uh, touches of the football for them. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, the Huskies there as well. Just more experienced in these spots. And uh, we're, we are on the same page there, which scares me. I don't like being on the same page with, with Typhoid Peter. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see, if, we'll see if we can both be right once here. Okay. Um, Baton Rouge, a game that I believe you will be attending, Pete. I will be attending the game in Baton Rouge. Excellent. Now... This is, this is something, okay, our podcast listeners can can get interested in here. What is a Pete Thamel itinerary when you're going to an LSU game? Tell us how you uh, how you chop it up. Itinerary not set yet, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Giacomo's. I once dined at uh, Giacomo's with, uh, with Tulane coach Willie Fritz, and mm. somewhat embarrassingly, we both had a watermelon mojito. I had a second. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. That is probably my favorite New Orleans restaurant. Um, I once actually, this is a pretty funny story, uh, when the BCS meetings were there, and I'm like dating, dating myself. I might as well like, yeah. get, get a Lovey Smith beard to tell this story. Um, <laughs> the BCS meetings were there. I was going out to dinner with a bunch of people, and it was, uh, it was Jazz Fest coming mm-hmm. like the next day. Yep. When I was leaving, in in walks Robert Plant. Oh, come on. I swear really? to God. <laughs> and I can't make this up like 
it was like almost famous. He had like two 23-year-old from Central Casting uh, girls, one on each arm walking in. I was like, oh, so it's really like that, huh? Like, <laughs> you do you, Robert Plant. And uh, yeah, had an extra Abita, smiled at my little moment in New Orleans and uh, went off into the night. How about that? So anyway, I'm going to talk about putting the hex on LSU last week because I'd consistently picked against them. I even wrote a column before the year saying they could flop and Ed Orgeron could get fired this year. So I'm like, oh, for like 2018 on LSU predictions, basically. (laughs) So then I finally picked them to win at Florida just because I think they'll be able to push Florida around a little bit. And of course, yeah, the Gators win. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, George is pretty untested, Pat. Would you agree with that? Like they are, they are a mysterious six and zero. Not like NC State or Colorado mysterious, but they're they're fairly mysterious at six and zero. Would you agree? Yeah, they they are. I mean, I you know I was blown away when they went to South Carolina one, but eh, South Carolina's not that good. Missouri, yeah. eh, you know, I mean, so they've taken care of business, but who have they played? That's the question. Uh, nobody. Yeah. Really, that uh, you know, I would put even for sure in the top half of the SEC. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I would say that's an accurate statement. So that said, I'm going to revive my touchdownless prediction that you have mocked me for every time I've made this year, <laughs> and I think Georgia wins 14 to six in Baton Rouge this weekend and covers the seven and a half barely. Covers the seven and a half. Okay, all right. I tell you what. I've gone back and forth on this game. The hook, the, the half a point is a bother to me. I, I, but I'm going to take Georgia, um, and that not with great conviction. Here's my thing with Georgia that, that concerns me. I just They're not as good defensively as they were last year. They are a sloppier team. Um, you know, they, they, they just are not quite as solid and as, as really as dominant and overwhelming. I mean, they, they gave up. 4.8 yards per rush to Vandy. They gave up 4.7 to Missouri. If LSU's smart, which they were not in the fourth quarter against Florida, they give the ball to Nick Brissett 30 times and say, all right, stop him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, you know, you have Joe Burrow throw a little bit. Yeah. We'll see. You know, and I, I'm just going to go on the theory that LSU has started to show some cracks. They, and when they make mistakes offensively, they, you know, they had gone – for a long time without making mistakes. Now they start making some and it costs them and they're going to make a couple of more. And Georgia's big game experience, I think, uh, comes through here. So I'm going to take Georgia, but not with great conviction. Well, I took them, so you shouldn't have great conviction. (laughs) No, you're right. That scares me uh, in and of itself. Okay, Peter, uh, in Los Angeles, in Memorial Coliseum, uh, the USC Trojans are hosting Colorado. Late night game on Saturday. It's a 10.30 Eastern kick, so that's going to be your Pac-12 after dark game. We know how things get weird there. Uh, the Trojans are favored by 7.5. The two lost Trojans against the undefeated Buffaloes. Biggest game Colorado's played in who knows how long. Uh, we'll see what they are ready for. Speaking of teams that are untested, look at Colorado's schedule. So uh, what's your breakdown of that game, Pete? You know, fascinating game, right? Because yep. I think USC is like a 7-8 win team. I don't think they're particularly good. I think they're staring at staff changes at the end of the year. I just think, like, they brought in Clay Helton, Pat, to stabilize the program, to make sure there's no off-field incidents, to basically end the drama that we saw relentlessly with both Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. And you know what? He has done that perfectly. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, mm-hmm. like there's been yep. really less than zero drama there. And he's recruited well. Uh, obviously, JT Daniels really seems to have a high upside. They're they're as juggernaut recruiting wise as they were during the you know Pete Carroll glory days. It hasn't translated, Pat. And I think schematically on offense, they're they're a little bit bland when the lights get bright. And, you know, it really gets into, like, high-end schematics. The Trojans have fallen on their face. So um, I'm going to take Colorado in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright, but I think a 7.5 is a pretty pretty good cushion. I'm going to roll with the Buffaloes here in the uh, in the Coliseum. It'll be interesting to see if the moment gets big for them, Pat. Absolutely. No, that that's the question. That's the whole question. Does the moment get big? Have they played too soft a schedule? If you are, if, if this were a horse race, you would look at it one of two different ways. You would, if the the people like the Joe Drape betters, our friend, the the great New York Times writer who has been known to make a horse racing wager or two, uh, would <laughs> look at it and say, "With both hands, Petey, yeah, Bet with both hands." He'd say, "Ah, the Buffaloes are stepping up in class here," and so yeah, you would you would just look gonna... and say, "Haven't been tested against good competition. I'm going the other way," or you look at the form and say, "Well." That's a horse with a lot of ones next to his name that wins at the end. And so I, I tend to go with the, to be the one that goes with the horse with the ones at the end. I like Colorado. I, like, I love them getting seven and a half. I think they can win outright. I look at USC and say, what do they do well? What are they good at? Yeah. I say nothing. They're ninth in the Pac-12 in offense. They're seventh in the Pac-12 in defense. I know they've played some good teams, but I am just very much – perplexed at what USC's calling card is, what, you know, it has going for it. Uh, the one interesting thing, Colorado has never beaten USC, ever. They <laughs> played the first time in 1927. They didn't play a lot because they weren't in the same conference sure. until recently, but they are 0 for 12 lifetime against USC. I think this is their time to get off the schneid here and to not just cover the seven and a half, but win outright. That's a brand line there, Pat, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's because of the, the the uniforms and helmets more than the more than the talent. I've talked to a couple NFL scouts who've went through USC this year and they are very, very pedestrian in terms of the eyes of their and USC should never be pedestrian. Although mm-hmm. these upperclassmen now you gotta remember in Hilton's defense are the ones who came in during all those years of tumult, right? right. Like right. you know, you're committing like while well, Steve Sarkeesian goes missing, like that kind of yeah. thing. So they're yeah. they're you know, it's not all they have recruited well, but it's not it's you can understand why there might be some blips in in some of that junior class area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, theoretically their best years are coming, but we've been saying that for a while about them, but if you you know, if you're going to from a continuity standpoint, I just don't know whether Helton's good enough to deserve more years that's that's going to be the question they're going to have to wrestle with if this season uh goes south they'd owe him a lot of money pat like i know a, a lot a lot lot right. lot lot of money that's i believe the you... contract's through 23 it's a private contract i'll guess he makes four and a half right four four and a half something like that Which let's just say it's absolutely four. preposterous yeah that's bad bad business by an ad to give clay helton four and a half million even my uh, basic stats Syracuse math brain can tell you that's a lot of cabbage. Yeah, that's um, a lot of money. You know, if Willie Taggart's contract is 85% of it's guaranteed, you've got to think Clay Helton's in that same neighborhood. Uh, again, we can't, we don't have access to the contract because it's private, but mm-hmm. let's just say that even for a place like USC, which in theory should be swimming in money as an athletic department, that would be a difficult uh, pill to swallow, which is why... 
I predict there'll be some staff changes and they'll try to give that right. place a little jolt. Yeah, yeah, no, makes sense. But uh, why, why you're paying Clay Helton that much money? Where were you, where are you keeping him from going? Uh, anyway, okay, moving on. Big Ten game, a really interesting Big Ten game to me. Wisconsin at Michigan in the Big House. Uh, Wolverines, as we discussed on the Overreaction Monday podcast, have righted the ship pretty well. Wisconsin, to me, has been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, think they miss Quintez Sivas, receiver who's been suspended all season. The, mm-hmm. the, that offense is missing some juice. Anyway, the Wolverines, though, seven and a half point favorite, a pretty big number. Yeah. Um, what's uh, What are your thoughts on this one? This is a tough one. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest because I, Michigan has done nothing but trend in the right direction since that they they had the gut check down at Northwestern. I don't think Wisconsin's explosive enough to exploit Don Brown's blitzes. You know what I mean? Like you need to counter yeah. Don Brown with like big hits and big plays and chunk yardage. And I just don't trust Alex Hornerbrook to do that. And Shea Patterson has settled in nicely. Like Michigan isn't, you know, they, they haven't turned into Texas Tech, but they went from completely dysfunctional on offense to, uh, you know, moderately functional. I think this will be kind of a low-scoring grinder, quintessential Big Ten game. I just have trouble envisioning Wisconsin mustering the offense. So I'm going to take Michigan 20-10. to 10. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to Costanza you because I've, I can't agree with you this many times. It doesn't <laughs> – it, it's bad. bad. Yeah, no, karma. it's just – yeah. It's that's... bad strategy. Uh, I don't think – I, I think Michigan's going to win, but I think it's going to be 17-14. I think it's very low scoring, and I think it's a Wisconsin cover uh, because I, Michigan's – their offense, it's classic Michigan. If the defense is below average, they're pretty good. If the defense mm-hmm. is above average, they really struggle. So mm-hmm. that's why I think their points are going to be held down. Wisconsin, your point is is very well taken. I looked it up here uh, – one of the least explosive passing offenses in the Big Ten. Number of uh, 30-plus yard plays is four, which is tied for 11th. Number of 40-plus yard plays is two, which is 11th. And uh, none over 40. So they they do not stretch you defensively with the pass. So uh, I think it's going to be a game that's played very much between the 20-yard lines and a lot of punts. And Michigan's going to win, but Wisconsin is going to cover. So there's our first disagreement let's see if we got a disagreement on this one west virginia undefeated laying seven at iowa state which is known to throw a surprise into the season somewhere so yeah all right game is in ames jack trice stadium west virginia laying seven to the cyclones take it away pete I'm taking the Cyclones. Oh, yeah. I think they have a they have a little momentum. They uh, they, they lost to TCU two weeks ago. Played TCU very tough, uh, and obviously against a similar offense last week, outscored Oklahoma State forty eight forty two. As you as our faithful listeners remember from our Overreaction Monday podcast, uh, I believe Dan Wetzel gave his uh, Player of the Week to one Brock Purdy. Yeah. A quarterback who showed really good accuracy, and uh, I, I believe he was the third stringer to to, to start the year, and uh, he's kind of come on and, and given an offense that needed a jolt because they had just sort of had a game manager type guy um, in in there to uh, to start the season, and you know Brock Purdy is a, you know giving him give him a little bit of hope. Yeah. So I uh, I I think it'll be uh, it'll be jacked up in Ames this weekend, and I think the Cyclones. 
get it done 34-33. Okay. Going with not just the upset, but they're, they're not just the cover, but the straight-up win for the clones. Team team Cyclone. West Virginia also I like always pick against the moves. So this is a really good one to go <laughs> yeah. against me. Well, and I am. I am uh, happy happy okay. to go against good. you and take the Mountaineers. Very explosive offense. They just got to sometimes stay out of their own way. They got to not drop passes. They got to not commit penalties. And they're going to score. Uh, and while all of your points are valid about Iowa State, and I was super impressed with Purdy in his first real action uh, this last week. Um, you know, Iowa State, they, they are who they are. And, and they're dangerous, mm-hmm. but I think they had their big moment, went in Stillwater, come back, maybe a little bit of a letdown. West Virginia knows what they're playing for, eyes on the prize here. Uh, Will Greer puts on a big show, and the Mountaineers win and cover the seven. So, all right, time for the lock of the week. Pete, that, that, that had been your, your, your only redeeming value. You had been hitting locks of the week. Did you hit it last week? I'm trying to remember. I did uh, not. The Toledo Rockets uh, let me right. down. I'm, I, am off the, I am off the spaceship for the rest of the season. <laughs> okay. No, no bueno on the, uh, on the yeah. Rockets. All right, which so. way are you going here on the lock then? Uh I am going to uh, get on. I'm going to stay mid-major for our uh, hardcore, quote-unquote, listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to take Central Florida at Memphis. And quite frankly, Memphis has just been not good this year, right. Pat. And uh, Central Florida beat me- a good Memphis team twice last year. And I think this Central Florida team is every bit as good. They are giving only four and a half at Memphis. And I feel like... Central Florida with that North Carolina game really hasn't had a showcase game. And in, in the uh, AAC, this is about as close as it's going to get. So I am, uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Central Florida here to continue Memphis's misery. And I think they win 42, 28. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I can't, I, I can't knock that pick at all. I agree with you. Now, the only thing the my niggling doubt there is that Memphis has talent. They just haven't played up yes. to it, and they, you know, maybe they put it together for the big game here and really play well. But still, well, they probably will because I picked against <laughs> them. So. Yeah, but no, I, I would pick Central Florida there, uh, laying four and a half if I were you. They got house. Did you watch any of that Tulane game? Yeah, it was yeah. gross. Yeah, no, it was, they, they got pushed around big time. All yeah. right, so Pete's lock of the week is UCF, laying four point five. My lock of the week, there's something I'm missing here because this is like the lock of the century to me. <laughs> I don't understand. I wish we had a graphic where we could just bring in this huge lock like, yes, like the lock I mean, of the century. The biggest lock on earth. Uh, yes. I, Northwestern. Like a lock for a meat freezer yeah. or something. Like, <laughs> not like a locker like in high school. Lock, something. Like a master something. lock. Like, yeah. Northwestern is hosting Nebraska. Northwestern is not great, but they're also, they're not bad. They won on the road by 10 last week. As a matter of fact, my lock, I was trying to decide between Maryland getting 17 and a half on the road or Northwestern getting 11 on the road. I I chose poorly because I chose Maryland. Northwestern covered by a million miles. Uh, But Northwestern at home, only laying three and a half to Nebraska. Nebraska is Mm. terrible. Nebraska is winless. And it's damn near hopeless at this point. Yeah. I look at like the power rate. I look at Sagarin. Sagarin would favor, theme, seemingly would favor Northwestern by 10, but the number is three and a half. So I, I don't understand uh, how this works. I don't understand what Vegas is looking at. Maybe this is one where the bookies 
are nodding knowingly, saying, yeah, walk right into our trap. Go ahead here. But Yeah, it, it is one of those suspicious yeah, ones. Because it makes um, no sense. It was like that Kentucky-South Carolina game two weeks yeah. ago when it was like, are you sure? Right. Like, are you are you sure? Yeah. Um, how much of Michigan State Northwestern did you watch last week, Pat? None. Um, I was monitoring scores, okay. and it was you know Mich- it was Northwestern up, then Northwestern's yeah. blowing it in the second half like usual, then Northwestern comes back and wins, which impressed me. Yeah, I-, I felt like, and again, they had to because Michigan State's run defense is about the only redeeming thing about Michigan State. But I, I feel like. Northwestern's pass game kind of found itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Clayton Thorson was 31 of 47. He did have two picks, but he also had three touchdowns. And I don't know if, it, like, he came back quick from from his injury last year. Mm-hmm. And remember, they were rotating possessions against Purdue in the opener and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I kind of left that thinking maybe Clayton's got his groove slash health back a little bit. So he completed 66% of his passes. Like, he's been all right. So but I, I feel like, Northwestern always gives you an honest day's work. Yeah. You know? Like, they're not perfect, but, like, they're going to play hard. They're not that susceptible to, like, a, a letdown in this situation. And, shoot, they're 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 two and three because of that Akron loss. They're playing right. they're playing for their yeah. life. So, um, yeah, I would uh, I would I would agree that that is uh, I, maybe just of the decade, not the century. <laughs> I'm long. going with the whole damn century. I, I'm telling you, but okay. I I am not on the Clayton Thorson bandwagon. I never really have been. I don't quite get it. But uh, you know, if he can if he can cover the three and a half this week, then maybe I'll get on the bandwagon with him. So that's our locks of the week. That's our picks of the week. Pete, one last question: We need we we need a beer tout or a or a drink of some kind tout from you. Uh, what do you got for us? What do I have? Well, in celebration of Yankee Elimination Day, <laughs> did I mention it was Yankee Elimination Day here in yes. Boston? It's Yankee Elimination Day. The Red Sox won in dramatic fashion last night to uh, take the take the uh, ALDS three one against the hated New York Yankees. It's been everyone's got a little spring in their step in Boston today, Pat. Uh, I am going to recommend Harpoon IPA, which is brewed right down the street from my condo here in the uh, Seaport District of Boston. A fine local lager. It's actually not a lager. It's an IPA, but I just wanted to say it that way. So I am a huge fan of the Harpoon Brewery. They used to do neat charity stuff with my friend Peter King when I was at Sports Illustrated. Would go over there. They're they're good local folks who make a fine beer. (laughs) There we go. All right. Way to get local. Very good. Well done. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be local since I'm on the West Coast right now. I'm in the Bay Area, uh, and I had a good beer last night from Four Point Brewing Company, which I think is in San Ooh. Jose, and I had a, I think it was a native IPA it was. I'm looking up here, and uh, very good, excellent, uh, excellent quality, and I always like to uh, find the local beers wherever I go, and in California, there's a lot of good local, so... That there is. That is that is some good drinking out there. What's the is it ballast that's in San ballast Diego? Ballast points in San Diego. Stumps. Mm, ballast does some good Stone work. Stone is down there. Yeah, Stone's um, down there. Lagunitas, yeah. I think, is more LA. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, there's yeah. a ton. And my my go to OG favorite, of course, Sierra Nevada up from Northern California. So Okay. All right. That's our uh, podcast for the week, our race for the case. We hope we uh, have enriched your lives and your wallets, and uh, we will be back with Overreaction Monday. So check us out then. Have a good weekend, everybody. Look around. 
can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.